Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Why aren't Christians actively, intentionally engaging in the mission of being Jesus' witnesses? That's a relevant question. And we'll follow that up with, and why are we not asking for the Lord to send more laborers into that harvest? That's the relevant question. So we find that the first essential for evangelism is a willingness to take the gospel to the lost and a willingness to pray for more gospel workers to join Jesus in his mission. Secondly, we find Jesus here instructing them about the prevailing conditions in which they are going to go. He, he wants them, he wants us to be aware of the prevailing conditions. He says to them, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Uh, as soon as I was looking at that and thinking about this, it put me in mind of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 which most of you have heard many, many times, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In sending out disciples to reach others, uh, Jesus gives it to us straight. He makes it clear that he is sending his witnesses into hostile territory. Is there any other kind on this earth when it comes to the gospel? Everywhere you go, it's hostile territory to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which brings me to truth point number two. Under the prevailing conditions of the world, we don't stand a chance in our mission if we go it alone. We need community We need the community of other believers, and we need the sustaining grace of God to be able to do what we are asked to do. Friends, listen, that's why Jesus sent them out two by two. He cut his workforce in half, but he did it for a reason, because he knew, he knew that there is the need for support. There is the need for community. Jesus, better than anyone, understood that living the Christ life is not a solo endeavor. Friends, even Jesus did not go it alone, but created community by choosing the twelve and making them part of his family as he trained them. Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one, how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. There's a lot of wisdom there. Now, Solomon may not have intended it the way I'm about to throw it out, but my application, I think, stands biblically nonetheless. That when we think of a three-strand cord, there's me, there's my Christian brother or my Christian sister, and the Holy Spirit of God. Now, my friends, that is a three-strand cord that is not easily broken. Yes, it can be stressed. Yes, it can be stretched. Yes, it can be taken to the brink, 
But when you have community with other believers and you have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through his word and through his spirit, listen, you're going to bounce back and you're going to be able to prevail because God will see to it that you do. Now, as I talk about this, I want to make the point, church, that relationships are paramount. Relationships are paramount. But strong, mutually satisfying relationships must be built on something deeper than our personal preferences. In other words, it's really easy, isn't it, to get into a group of people when you all agree on all of the stuff of life, same type of music, same color of car, same version of the Bible, same life experience. That's really easy. But if we're going to have real mutually satisfying relationships, then, it, then our foundation must go deeper than our personal preferences. Listen to me, church. Personal preferences are fine, but they are meant to be personal. They're meant to be personal. The only way that we can have true Christian community is to lay down personal preference at the door and take up the mantle of commonality in Christ. Listen to me, the prevailing conditions in the world are savage to the cause of Christ. So it is essential that we have each other. It is essential that the sustaining grace of God is there to strengthen, to encourage, to refresh, and to restore us to what is coming next. Relationships are crucial. But we got to get away from this personal preference junk Keep it in your car, keep it in your home, keep it in your earbuds. But when we come together, we lay that down and we pick up what we have in common, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we follow him and we do his will and we do his work. And then if we want to go back and celebrate our personal preference, we jump back in the car and we can do it there. Verses 4 and verses 7 and 8 gives us the third instruction And this third instruction focuses on the resources needed to carry out the mission. As with the 12, who we looked at back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus instructs the 70 here to take nothing with them other than faith. Faith, that's it. What do you want us to take, Jesus? Take faith. Well, what about an extra pair of sandals? Don't need them. How about some extra cash? I can go down to the ATM. Don't need it. Well, how about some extra food? Some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, huh? No, you don't need that either. No, I'm telling you to go out, and I want you to just take faith that God will provide. Now, in verses 7 and 8, Jesus fleshes out what that looks like, telling the 70 that as they go into villages and towns, that those who receive their message will be the ones God uses to house, feed, comfort, and resource them. God's not going to leave them without resources. He's just saying, trust me, that those who open their heart to the message, they will open up their home, and they will open up their cupboards, and they will open up their wallets, and they will do what is necessary to help you have what you need to have. But I'm asking you right now just to go as you are. And so clearly... We find in the bigger picture that representing Jesus to the world is meant to be undergirded by faith that Jesus will provide what we need when we need it. Now, listen, 
This is one of the areas in which uh, I've got to make sure that I'm making it clear to you because there's a lot of us in the room that are prone to hear something and start running with it, and we start running in the wrong direction. Let's be clear that Jesus in this passage is not laying down prescription. Luke is simply giving us a description. In other words, Jesus is not saying this is the way it's going to be for all time. He's not saying that every servant that he sends out, you're just to go out with a smile, the tunic on your back, the shoes on your feet, and faith. He did to those men, but that's not the way he always does it. In fact, when we look at Luke chapter 22, verse 36, which we'll get to probably in 2022, we find Jesus instructing the 12 to at that point make provisions. He says, if you got this, sell it, keep the money. You, you go and borrow that from so-and-so. Get this, get that, get the mule, get the backpack. I want you to be ready, take it all with you. And that's the way God works sometimes. And sometimes for a, perhaps a, a lesson in faith, he says, just take a smile and the tunic and the sandals and go, trusting that I'll provide. Now, I want you to catch this as we approach truth point number three. Whether God instructs us to trust that he will provide at the point of need or whether he asks us to trust by him providing in advance, the overarching point of all of this is that the master of the mission provides what is needed to accomplish the mission. That's the way it works in kingdom life. The master of the mission will provide what is needed to accomplish the mission. Listen to me. This is important. When he calls, he provides. Now, he may not provide in the manner that we would like him to provide. He may not provide in the time frame that we would like him to provide. He may wait as he so often does, and it's just so irritating. He waits sometimes until the last second. Oh, that's such a galling thing, is it not? And yet, he provides. Now, some people may be sitting here thinking, well, Pastor Mike, I got involved in a ministry and we were left with nothing. I don't know. Can I just suggest that maybe God didn't call you to that ministry? There's a lot of people who call themselves to a ministry. There's a lot of people whose pastors called them to a ministry. There's a lot of people whose moms and dads and grandmas who meant well called them to a ministry, but they were never actually called. And so when they go out, they just find it like pulling teeth. Oh my gosh, how can I ever survive? Well, let me tell you that sometimes the called feel exactly the same way. But the bottom line is that God, when he calls, he will provide. And he will provide what you need for what he's asking you to do. Now, the key is making sure that we're staying within the confines of what he's asking. Now, my experience has been this. That not only has he provided what was needed to do, but he's been so gracious to give so much above and beyond that it's just overflowing. Well, praise him for that. But it may not always be that way. But listen, let us make sure as we understand this point that it's about more than money. We need to know the who. We need to know the what. We need to know the when and the where and the how. And so those are all part of God's provision And where he calls, he will provide. 
So we find this, a willingness to go and pray for laborers, a willingness to be uh, awareness of the prevailing conditions, and a resting in God's provision are three essentials regarding the how of evangelism. Let's move on, verses 5 through 15, to look at proclaiming the master's message. And as we do, we'll start right off, before we even get to his message, we'll start off with a truth point. Truth point number four. We need to understand this, folks. There's a lot of people who are claiming to be his representatives who need this message. Listen to this. Jesus does not give us the latitude to adjust his message according to the sensitivities of the audience. His message is settled and is to be proclaimed without apology and without adaptation. We do not have the latitude to make up a message that we think is more palatable. And friends, this is why I can no longer support the attractional methodology of church growth. You look at the attractional model, and from its very foundation, it says that Jesus' message is too hard. Therefore, we must adapt it so that it is more attractive to the masses. Now, let me say that you can draw a big crowd doing that, but you will never build the church that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. The only thing that can build that kind of a church, regardless of its size, is the actual message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have the latitude to change it, soften it, or repaint it to make it look like something it isn't. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.